It has been around two and a half weeks since I did a case study on Spencer Rattler and what he could do as South Carolina's quarterback next season. For today's show, it's time for case study number two. Today, we're going to talk about South Carolina's offensive line. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before I get started with today's show, I'd like to real quickly thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to another show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Lyon, and as I alluded to earlier, it is time for another case study on South Carolina's football team heading into the 2022 football season. And today, I'm going to discuss the offensive line, a unit that definitely did not always have their best moments this past season, and is one that a lot of people, even outside of South Carolina's football fan base, has pointed to as a unit that could make or break South Carolina's offense and the potential for them to take a step forward this next season. And I have to admit, it's one that's hard to argue with. The question is, just how much could South Carolina do this next season? How much better could they be based on the amount of starts they have coming back and the makeup of the coaching staff? Well, I'm going to get into all of that today. For today's show, I'm going to pull a few teams from the 2018 season who had an offensive line that statistically ranked just as bad, if not worse, than South Carolina's last season. I am then going to see what those teams did in 2019 and look at some similarities between some of those offensive line groups compared to South Carolina heading into this next year. And I'm going to see just how much better South Carolina's offensive line could be this next season. That will be the topic for today's show. Before I get into today's show, as always, thank you all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecocks sports coverage. We just surpassed over 250 subscribers on YouTube just yesterday. I cannot thank you all enough for the support you have shown me up to this point on YouTube and also wherever you listen to this on your audio podcast apps. Thank you all so very much. You are what make this show possible. So let's talk offensive line now. So South Carolina, as I mentioned earlier this past season, they definitely did not perform up to snuff. This was definitely a unit that admittedly probably held back the offense last year from reaching their full potential with the players that they had. And I'm going to pull up real quickly some of the stats from last year's team. These stats are courtesy of footballoutsiders.com. I've mentioned them before, I think actually on the episode where I talked about Spencer Rattler and what happened with him at Oklahoma. I will say it again. Football Outsiders is the website that I use when looking at offensive line statistics. They go really in-depth with some of this stuff. So 
a heads up, you're going to want to really pay attention today and listen very carefully with these statistics results. It could end up feeling like a snowball rolling down a mountain with the amount of information I spit out. And I'm also going to have some graphics to show you if you're watching this on YouTube today to try to make this a little bit easier and facilitate the conversation a little more clearly. So let's look at the stats for the 2021 South Carolina offensive line. Starting off with some run blocking stats. So the first stat that I want you to look at is average line yards per carry, which is the average amount of rushing yards the offensive line was credited for. And the South Carolina Gamecocks averaged 2.38 line yards per carry, which ranked 108th in the FBS and was the worst mark in the SEC. The Gamecocks also ranked in the bottom of the SEC in opportunity rate, which is the percentage of carries when four yards were available that the ball carrier gained at least four yards. In simple terms, meaning the offensive line did its job. They also ranked near the bottom when it came to passing down sack rate, which is the unadjusted sack rate for passing down attempts. Basically meaning if it was like 2nd and 15 or 3rd and 18, obvious passing downs, and the Gamecocks did go back to throw the football, they could not hold up against the opposing front 7. 12.8% sack rate here in these circumstances, which ranked 117th in the FBS. And otherwise, the Gamecocks didn't rank very highly in many areas. They did rank well when it came to standard down sack rate, which is the unadjusted sack rate for standard down pass attempts, basically meaning first down, second and seven or fewer, and third and four or fewer, along with fourth and four or fewer. They had a 3.8% sack rate in these cases. So when looking at this chart right here, if you're watching this on YouTube, I color-coded all of these statistics based on a simple little scale that I created considering the fact that currently in FBS football, there's 130 teams. What I did was divide those 130 teams into five quadrants, 26 teams per quadrant. If you are in the top quadrant, then you were considered to be well above average for most statistical categories, unless you're talking about something, of course, like interceptions thrown or whatnot. If you were in tier two, you were considered above average. Tier three, you were considered average. Tier 4, below average, and Tier 5, well below average. And as, again, you could maybe tell on the video, if you're not watching this on video, South Carolina ranked well below average and about half of the statistical measurements that FootballOutsiders.com uses when it comes to grading offensive line play. Now, I could get into some real in-depth nuances of maybe what led to these stats and the definitions, but... To sum up all the stats and numbers that I just threw out there to y'all, when the rubber met the road and South Carolina needed to make plays, either rushing or passing the ball, the offensive line just flat out crumbled way too often. But this could have been due to a variety of reasons that might have not been as much in the offensive line's control. The first factor, miscommunication and confusion with the new scheme and coaching. Obviously, Marcus Satterfield came into South Carolina this past season bringing in a pro-style scheme. And obviously, with a pro-style scheme, you're going to have some real complex blocking schemes. The language is going to be much different than you've ever had before having a coach like Marcus Satterfield. And when you have five guys in the unit that all need to be on the same page before the snap even happens... That could be a lot to digest for the offensive lineman. Also, inconsistent quarterback play. Again, no offense to Jason Brown, Zeb Nolan, Luke Doty, all the guys that played quarterback more often this past season, but the quarterback play wasn't always good. And 
this lack of solid and consistent quarterback play sometimes led to things happening on the field, which from a bird's eye view would seem to be because of the offensive line when it was actually more so the fault of the quarterback. Also, lack of separation from receivers on routes when going up against cornerbacks. Again, something else you would not see on a television screen watching a football game, but something that's completely out of the offensive line's control. Missed blocks by running backs and quarterback misreads, which Satterfield didn't mention in one press conference back in the spring that the offensive line, when looking at the film, was only responsible directly for 14 sacks last season, much lower than the total mark, which I believe stands at 31 sacks from last year. And to top it all off, there were rumblings that offensive line coach Greg Atkins had both health and personal issues this last season and thus wasn't able to spend as much time with the group maybe as he would have liked. And again, I want to emphasize this is rumblings. Now, there was a lot of smoke around this to the point where I have to believe there is some truth to this, but I'm obviously not going to sit here and speculate on all of that because obviously that's deeply personal information for Greg Atkins and his family. But the point is, if Greg Atkins was indeed absent, you know, even say just a practice or so a week, then that clearly hurts the development of those offensive linemen, especially with the blocking technique that maybe Atkins wants them to utilize, and in conjunction with what Marcus Satterfield wants to do with his scheme. So, in essence, it's very difficult to try and explain the offensive line struggles from last season in a vacuum. It's a complicated conversation, because there's not one factor that you could point to that led to the offensive line struggles for last season. Now, Coming up in just a few moments, I'm going to look back at the 2018 season, find some offensive lines that performed about as bad as South Carolina's did last year, and then look and see maybe what they did in 2019 and find some similarities between both South Carolina's situation and those team situations. But before I do so, I have a quick message from our friends over at LinkedIn. Now, as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Myself being a recent college graduate, I've been able to stay in touch and create a network with many people who are alumni of the University of South Carolina. When you use LinkedIn Jobs, you can create job posts in minutes to reach both your network and a worldwide professional network consisting of 810 million people. You can also add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile, which helps you to find the right people that fit the job description to AT. Using tools like screening questions to filter through candidates and populate viable choices. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job once again for free terms and conditions still apply. Okay. So now I'm going to go look at some teams from the 2018 college football season whose offensive line units did just as bad, if not a little bit worse in South Carolina statistically this last season, based off Football Outsiders statistical measures, 
and see what they did in 2019. I left out 2020-2021 because I did not want the 2020 COVID-19 season to skew a bunch of this data. So I decided to go back a little bit further than that. Now, for the purposes of this case study, I found 12 teams that ranked 100th or worse in at least six of the nine offensive line statistical categories that football outsiders use for the 2018 football season. And those 12 teams were Akron, Eastern Michigan, Florida State, Middle Tennessee, Oregon State, San Jose State, Southern Miss, Stanford, Tennessee, Texas State, UTEP, and UTSA. Now, in terms of how these offensive line units played in 2019, I divided up the teams into three different sections. The first section being the offensive line units that got way better, meaning that they ranked better than 100th in three or more statistical categories compared to their statistical marks in the 2018 season. And this comprised over half the teams from the original list of 12 and included Eastern Michigan, Middle Tennessee, Oregon State, Stanford, Tennessee, UTEP, and UTSA. The second section was teams that did slightly better, meaning that they ranked better than 100th in one or two more statistical categories compared to their marks in 2018. And those teams were San Jose State, Southern Miss, and Texas State. There was one team that did stay the same, meaning that there was no improvement or regression in terms of statistical categories where they ranked 100th or better compared to 2018, and that was Florida State. There was one team that somehow, someway, managed to break through the bottom of the barrel and get even worse the following season, and that team was the Akron Zips. Now, for the rest of this discussion, I want to focus specifically on the teams that got way better since they made up the majority of the group. So, some interesting points regarding the top group of seven teams. With the exception of Eastern Michigan, in 2019, all of these teams returned their offensive line coach from the previous season. Five of the six returning offensive line coaches were returning for their second season, just like offensive line coach Greg Atkins is doing this coming season. Obviously, because of the offensive line play and sometimes the ineffective offensive play overall from this past season, there were a lot of fans that, even after the bowl game, were calling for the firings of Greg Atkins and Marcus Satterfield. And admittedly, if you just looked at, again, certain games from last season and you took out the fact this was a first-year coaching staff, then I could see maybe where you were coming from on that. But when looking back, it's very clear that Coach Beamer, despite the fact that the offensive line didn't rank very well and the offense overall did not rank very well in the FBS and SEC last year, he felt like that staff continuity would really help out this unit and the entire offensive side of the ball get better this next season. We'll, of course, have to see how that plays out, but it's pretty sound logic coming from the head football coach in Shane Beamer. Now, going back to this group of teams, out of the same seven teams, four of them had the majority of their starters coming back or a healthy amount of starts 
returning on the offensive line in 2019. Tennessee returned 69 career starts for their offensive line in 2019. Stanford returned three offensive line starters from 2018. UTSA returned 65 collective starts on their offensive line for 2019. And UTEP returned four offensive line starters from 2018. Now, for comparison's sake, in going into next season, South Carolina, according to Phil Steele's College Football Preview Magazine, have 129 career starts returning and seven offensive linemen who have started six-plus games in one season at least returning as a part of that group. That is a lot of experience coming back for the Gamecocks. And as I've mentioned before, I understand how talent is definitely important and how experience, if it comes back but hasn't been very productive over the course of their whole career, could be viewed by many people as not necessarily being a good thing. But as I've mentioned multiple times now, you can have a great foundation, whether it's just for one unit, one whole side of the ball, or for an entire team the next season, if you have experience coming back. Guys that have been around the block once or twice in major college football. It is important no matter which way you want to look at it. And I highly doubt there's any other team in the country going into next season that has more career starts returning on the offensive line than the South Carolina Gamecocks. Now, in just a couple moments, I'm going to show you all some statistical charts if you're watching this on YouTube and also talk over it for those of you who are listening on audio and talk about how these teams performed in 2018, the teams that got way better, that is, and then show their 2019 stats, use some of the averages from those statistics, and apply those to South Carolina stats from last season. But before I get into all of that, I want to remind y'all that BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information. You'll find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including college football and NFL futures, regular season Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest finding news from MMA and UFC all the way to boxing. BetOnline acts as a continuous source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and much, much more. So be sure to head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Okay, now, to get back into what I mentioned at the end of segment two, how much better could South Carolina's offensive line be next season based on the numbers that I found in this case study? So let's go over the group of seven teams really quickly that got way better from 2018 to 2019. So if you're watching this on YouTube, here's the graph of all the teams that I talked about earlier. Eastern Michigan, Middle Tennessee, Oregon State, Stanford, Tennessee, UTEP, and UTSA. Now, you don't need to worry about anything on this chart right now. This is the chart that I really want you to pay attention to. This is the same group of teams and their stats in 2019 compared to their stats from 2018. And I made it really simple to interpret, basically. If their stats are listed in green along with their rankings, it means that they did better. If it's listed in red, it means that they did worse. And... You see a lot more green on this, and that means, obviously, that for the most part, all of these offensive line units performed exponentially better based on FootballOutsiders.com 
statistical measures that they use for offensive line units. Tennessee, even if you could see it on the screen, they got better at every single statistical mark that's on this chart. Now, some of you may be saying, well, Andrew, you got teams like Eastern Michigan, Middle Tennessee, and UTEP and UTSA on this chart. Can't that skew it since it's group of five play and not actual power five teams? Well, don't worry. I got y'all covered there. So, Here's a chart with just Oregon State, Stanford, and Tennessee. Still pretty good, if not even better, if it weren't for the fact that Stanford's offensive line apparently could not block at all when it came to pass blocking in 2019. And then here's a chart that I sort of want y'all to pay attention to especially. This is a chart where all four of these teams, Stanford, Tennessee, UTEP, and UTSA, all returned their offensive line coach in their second year and they also returned the majority of their offensive line starters or an abundance of starts in general from their offensive line's collective careers. So to make a long story short, these offensive line units got so much better in 2019 overall out of the original group of 12 and then breaking it down to the seven that had much higher marks. And obviously, while these are all separate individual cases compared to South Carolina, I found it striking that there was this many teams that, again, overall, when using the same general circumstances, they did that much better from the first season going into the next season. So with all this in mind, I want to go back to South Carolina's offensive line stats from last season. I pulled them up earlier, but I'll pull it up again real quick. Again, South Carolina ranked well below average in about half of these statistical categories that FootballOutsiders.com uses. Below average in two more. They only ranked above average when it came to power success rate and standard down sack rate. Now, for this next chart that I'm going to pull up, if you're watching this on video, this is a chart that shows all the average change with all seven teams that I have been bringing up for like the second half of this entire show. Now, again... I'm not going to make y'all read necessarily all of these columns and rows, but to bottom line it, all the averages for these numbers yielded net positives in every single stat. There was no net negatives. There was a couple stats that almost yielded neutral results, such as line yards, standard down line yards, standard down sack rate, and maybe one or two others as well. So what I decided to do with South Carolina stats... I decided to use South Carolina stats from 2021 and apply these average positive changes from the previous group to South Carolina stats. And instead of using the rankings, which I did include in the original average stat line, I decided to just throw those out and then just rank the new stats based on the 2021 final rankings for all the offensive line units. Because for some of these stats, if I included the average ranking boost from the original average line that I had, then it wouldn't have been able to stay on the scale of 130 FBS teams, going from 130 all the way up to one. So that was what I did for this last chart, just to be completely clear on that. So without further ado, here is the final chart of stats that I had for South Carolina. Now, again, this is if these averages are added to South Carolina's 2021 offensive line stats and are based off of the 2021 rankings. 
So if you're watching this on video, you can see that South Carolina is markedly better when including all of these averages from these 2018-19 teams compared to what they had this past season. They actually don't rank below average in any of the nine statistical measures that FootballOutsiders.com uses. And they even rank above average or well above average in a little over half of these statistical marks. Now, obviously, I want to mention again, these stats, I understand, are not going to be maybe the end-all, be-all for the South Carolina offensive line this next season. And as I mentioned earlier, all of these different teams and what happened with their offensive line units going into 2019 are all completely separate individual cases, but... The similarities of the staff continuity that I've brought up multiple times now and some of the similarities with some of these programs and their offensive line units and the amount of experience they returned from 2018 going to 2019 compare so well to South Carolina's current situation that, quite frankly, you know, going into this video, I felt like that South Carolina's offensive line would be better overall this next season. But based on these stats and now some proven numbers that we have from other teams like Tennessee, an SEC team, Stanford, who was a notorious pro-style offense. I have much higher hopes now for the South Carolina offensive line heading into next season than I even did going into today's show. And again, you know, I applied a bunch of averages that were flatlined and were based off of a very small sample size of teams out of the entire FBS. This would be assuming that none of the other FBS teams either gets better or worse, which obviously is literally impossible to see that happen unless you're in some other parallel universe. So I did all of this in today's show to just let y'all know that South Carolina's ceiling for offensive line play and subsequent floor going into next season is going to be much higher despite everything that happened this last season. Again, when you look at the continuity with the pro-style system, the language and technique from offensive line coach Greg Atkins, the offensive line is going to feel automatically more comfortable with the scheme this coming season. They also have a way more talented quarterback behind them. Again, no offense to Jason Brown, Zeb Nolan, and Luke Doty, and even Dak Ron Joyner, but Spencer Rattler is just a much more talented quarterback from an arm talent perspective. Whether you like him or you dislike him, if you're outside of South Carolina's fan base, you got to at least admit Spencer Rattler has got a ton of arm talent and is probably one of the most talented quarterbacks that's ever stepped onto the field for South Carolina period. So because of that, the offensive line is going to have probably a lot more confidence knowing that Spencer Rattler, more often than not, he's going to find a way to make plays happen. And he is going to probably end up making something out of nothing a few times this next season. So that gives them much more confidence and will keep them a little bit more calm when in a high pressure situations. Greg Atkins, God willing and hoping that this is the case, if he has passed all the health issues that he had this past season and everything in his personal life is at a much better stage, then he'll hopefully be able to be more hands-on with the offensive line group in practice and in fall camp and throughout the season this year compared to last year, which can only be helpful and beneficial to all of them. And lastly, the chip on their shoulder. Listen, there's no doubt 
This offensive line group has heard a lot of noise this past offseason. They have probably heard a lot of talk about how they're perceived to be the worst position group on the entire football team. About how, you know, South Carolina's team, they might be better next year, but they won't be better record-wise, maybe because of the strength of schedule and because the offensive line is just not going to play good enough for them to be able to win some of these bigger games. They have heard everything that you could possibly think of, and unfortunately, I only gave y'all the G-rated and PG-rated stuff. They've probably seen a lot more nasty stuff said about them online, on social media, because unfortunately, that's just the world that we live in today. People think that they're a bunch of keyboard warriors, and because they don't have to see them face-to-face, they're going to have a lot more gusto in terms of going online and saying this kind of stuff to them. So, you know for a fact This offensive line group, with all of the expectations and all the pressure on this team heading into next season, all the naysayers, they're going to want to go out there and put on a show, and they want to be known as a reason why South Carolina took a big step on the field and record-wise this next season, and I think that they have all the potential and ability in the world to do that. And again, when compared to all these other situations, I think it's a lot more likely that we're going to see that rather than the opposite this next season. So, but with that being said, y'all, that is going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. What do you think, most importantly, the offensive line is going to do for Sacramento next season? Do you think that this offensive line you could be in the top half of the SEC? Do you think maybe they'll help us win a couple games that some people aren't expecting us to win? You think that maybe the running game will be markedly better? You think they'll be able to give enough protection to Spencer Rattler? Let me know your thoughts, whether you're on YouTube or on social media. But once again, y'all, that's going to do it for me today. I hope you all have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll catch you all on the next show of the Locked On Game Cox Podcast.